0: We are in Genesis chapter 16 and uh, we've been talking about Abram. He hasn't got his new name yet, Abram and Sarai. And God's given them a promise and they're a little bit antsy. You ever get that way? You kind of, you say, okay, God, I've been praying for this. And, And so 10 years prior to chapter 16, god had promised abram i'm going to give you an heir of out of your own seed out of your own body it's going to be your heir it's not going to be eliezer your servant you're going to have a child and he's going to be the heir that's going to be the great nation right and he's going to have you're going to have descendants like the and this time he took him out and said descendants like the stars in the skies a- and 10 years go by and uh, Sarah's kind of getting a little antsy. Sarah's like going, "I'm I I I don't know if I can have a baby now." And we do the same thing sometimes, right? We get a little antsy because God's timelines not always our timeline. And we think God's just sitting up in heaven with his hand over that help button. Waiting to push it so you can come help him out. And we do that. God, I've got a plan. Listen to my plan. Maybe, yeah, let me help out here. And typically what happens when we do that, we make a royal mess. And God cleans it up for us. Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, grab those. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 16, and that should be uh, 1 through 16. We're going to read the whole chapter, and we're going to see about how Sarah wants to help God out with this thing about an heir. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. And so Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight." May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. And so Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, Sarah's maid, Where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction and he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live to the east of all his brothers. And when she, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her You are a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore the well was called Berlaha Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abraham a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Wow, what a story. What a narrative that God lays out for us when we, we get a little anxious about what God is going to do. And as we look at this, I want to take us some of, the, some of the things that can help us out as we look at what God's doing in our lives, the first thing I want you to understand is Abram did not talk to God about it. Did you notice that? Sarah comes, she says, I got an idea. Now, this is not unusual. It's not unusual for a woman who does not have an heir to ask for somebody else to bear that for him. We saw that, it, we're gonna see that, I should say, with Rebecca and Leah Remember, we're having the battles of the babies, right? Rebecca couldn't, or not Rebecca, Rachel, Rachel and Leah. Rachel couldn't have any children. And so she said, here, take my handmaiden. And and they had children. And then, then Leah stopped having children. and It all was a mess. But that's how we get to 12, the 12 tribes of Israel. Because they said, hey, if I can't have children, somebody else can have children for me. We also see it. In the book of Ruth, remember the book of Ruth where where Naomi, had her husband died and her two sons died and they go back to the land and when Ruth has a child by Boaz, they put that child on Naomi's knees and she says, I have been vindicated. I I have an heir. And so Sarah wasn't doing anything necessarily out of the ordinary. This is something that was done with the Jewish people, but Abram was the one who got the promise, not Sarah. Abram was the one who had the promise from God to say, your heir is going to come from your loins. And he's like going, okay. You think it would have been wise for Abram to say, maybe I'm going to go up on the mountain and pray about this a little bit. think that would have been a wise idea? In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, with this in view, to be alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. God says we're to be in prayer about just the big things. Well, this is a pretty big thing. God says we're to be in prayer at all times about what he wants to do for us. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. Don't don't worry, be happy. No, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Hey, God, Sarah's got an idea. What do you think? What do you think God would have said? Yeah. New, no. I've got this under control. I've got a timeline. You don't know what my timeline is. Hang in there. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, we're waiting for something, something good, something that nobody else could duplicate. We're waiting for the time that Sarah absolutely, positively could not have a baby. It's going to be a miracle. It's all in my timing. Be anxious for nothing. Colossians 1, 9 to 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God wants us to pray, so what? So we can know His will. Isn't that kind of an awesome thing? Don't you want to know God's will? How are you going to get to know God's will? Two things. One is right here. God's will is right here. He will tell you what He wants out of His word. Secondly, it's through prayer. He says pray so that you can have spiritual Understanding, and that's the one thing Abram didn't do. He said, oh, good idea. Let's go with this one. And of course, we know how it turns out. You know, we know that that Abram is going to conceive a child from his loins, right? Just the wrong mama. And a matter of fact, Hagar was not a godly woman. Not, I mean, God had not come. And spoken to Hagar like he did with Sarai. She was from where? Egypt. How did he? Get, how did she end up being with Abram and Sarai? You have to go all the way back to chapter 12. Remember? They went down to Egypt because the famine was in the land. And what did Abram say? Oh, well, tell everybody you're my sister. So they won't kill me. And so Pharaoh says, wow, she's good looking. Sarah is, is a good looking lady. And I'm going to take her into my harem and I'm going to pay a big dowry. And part of that dowry, it says in, 12, in chapter 12, verse 6, it says that he gave him male and female servants. And when Pharaoh finds out that he's been lied to and that Sarah's Abraham's wife, he's going, I don't want to have any part of this. You take everything that I gave you as a gift, as penance for what I've done. And so Hagar leaves Egypt, and she goes with them. She's a gift from Pharaoh. Now, who did, who did the people of Egypt worship? Well, they worshiped all kinds of people. They, were, they had all kinds of gods they worshiped. But two I want you to be aware of. One was Mutt what a name for a god right the she was the mother goddess she was she was the mother goddess over all the other gods and secondly was hathor the goddess of motherhood that's who or that's who Hagar would have worshipped and she worshiped them and when she conceived what did Hagar do oh look at me I have conceived I the the gods of Egypt have blessed me and I have a child and what did she do what did how did she respond then to Sarai was it oh I'm bearing bury burying this child so you can have an heir absolutely not Hagar responded in a selfish manner Hagar was looking out for, look at me I'm mama and you're not. There's no jealousy there, is there? Hagar looked at her and you know the, how does the world respond? They're selfish, aren't they? Proverbs twelve five says the thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsel of the wicked are deceitful. In Proverbs fifteen twenty eight it says. The heart of the righteous ponders an answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Can you imagine what it was like now? For here, here is, is uh, Hagar as her stomach begins to grow and, and her pregnancy begins to show and, and every day she walks by Sarai with her nose up in the air. And says, Look at me. You want to feel the baby? Isn't that, isn't that, I always thought that's kind of interesting. Everybody sees a pregnant woman, they want to touch her, touch her tongue. It's, it's like, wait a second. You, you might want to ask for, a, for a permission on that one. But, but you, know, you can imagine what it was like as this baby begins to grow and as she sees the, the two of them interact there in the tents of Abram. In Proverbs 21.10 it says the soul of the wicked desires evil and his neighbor finds no favor in his sight. And that's exactly what happened with Sarah. Well, Sarah has her own response to this whole thing. What does Sarah do? Sarai plays the blame game. Have we seen this before in Genesis? In the very beginning Where art thou, Adam? Well, I'm hiding over here, God, because I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? The woman you gave me. Little blame game going on. And what did Eve say? The serpent beguiled me. Sarah played the blame game. She, she goes to Abraham and look at, look at what she says. I I love this. She goes to Abram, verse 5. May the wrong done to me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. Not between me and Hagar. (laughs) Can you imagine what Abram's response was? How many husbands out there have ever done this? What did I do? right I you told me you gave her to me. what did I do? And, and so often when when we when when we try to 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 say, okay God here here's my big plan and we mess up. who do we blame? God why did you? Why did you do this to me? But she blamed Abram. And and, you know, here's Abram, he's caught in the middle. and, And what should she have done? She should have gone to God and said, God, I sinned. I stepped out of your perfect plan. And I'm here to confess my sins. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we still would have had a problem, right? But we would have had a heart that was right with God. Sarah could have gone to God and said, oh, "I'm Man, I blew it. But Abram wasn't any better. What did Abram do? Abram passed the buck. Do we do that sometimes? She's your handmaid; you do whatever you wish. What was Abram's? What was Abram's responsibility in all of this? Who is Abram? He's going to be what? He's been given a promise by God. He's going to be a great nation. He's going to have heirs that are going to rule. And they're going to have all of of Canaan. God's going to give them all that. And here he is. You deal with it. I I don't want to deal with it. God calls us as husbands to be leadership. Right? God calls Abram to be the leader of a nation. And yet he says, I don't want to deal with this. He passes the buck. We have a responsibility as, as husbands and as leaders to say, let's talk to God and let's find out what we should be. Sarah, you need to you need to apologize. Would that be pretty hard? You need to apologize to Hagar for the way you've treated her. You need to treat her with kindness. And does Abraham need to, to take some responsibility himself? I didn't talk to God about it. You know, it would have been, what, what would have been different if that would have been the responses that had happened at this stage? Abram saying, I take responsibility. I didn't ask God, but we have this situation now where we have Hagar and she's with child, and, and it's, and, and, And Sarah would have responded and said, you're absolutely right, I was outside of God's will, and forgive me, and I'm sorry, Sarah, for treating you the way I've treated you. Would have had a much different story. But how does our story go? What happens with Hagar? Anybody anybody ever look in your atlas to find out where some of these places are? It says that God found her where? At a place called Shur, Okay? You ever, did you look up in, have you ever looked up in your atlas where that is? Sure, is on the way to Egypt. It's on the way to Egypt. She said, Fine. I'm leaving. I'm running away. I cannot stand being under Sarai's thumb. And she ran away. She's on her way back to Egypt when God intercepts her. Have you ever been intercepted by God when you're out of the middle of God's will? You you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. And he intercepts her by a well in a place called Shur. And one of the great things that we see in this is that God redeemed Hagar's situation. She's running away. She's a slave. She has nothing. She's on her way back to Egypt. Hopefully she can maybe find her family again. God says, no, 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 no. This may have been been an issue with, with people stepping out of God's will, but God redeemed Hagar's situation. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how big of a mess we make in our lives. God will always redeem your situation when you meet with him. Now, I want you to, when you look at this part of the story, as you read your Bible, when it talks about this angel that comes, is it a small M or a capital M? Anybody notice that? It's a capital M. What does that designate in the Bible? That designates its deity. I would say this is Jesus coming to meet Hagar in the place of her greatest need. Jesus meets Hagar, and I want you to look at what he says to Hagar. Verse 8. Well, let's go back to 7. And now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. And I want to stop there because there's a couple things we need to look at in that. Did God change her position? What did he say? Hagar? Sarah's maid? He didn't change her position. He didn't say, I'm going to make you separate. I'm going I'm to do something else with you. He said, no, you're still Sarah's maid. The second thing he said to her is he didn't change her circumstances. What did he tell her to do? He said, go back. Go back to Sarah. Sometimes when we are in the midst of being uh, encountering God and he says he, he says I want you to go back I want you to go back just the way you were in the same job in the same position as you were and I'm going to redeem it but he says one more thing to her what was the last thing he says to Sarah before he gets, we get to the blessing he says submit yourself to Sarai He said, Change your attitude. Change the way you respond to Sarah, to Sarai. Change your attitude. And isn't that the way God works with us? Have you watched how Jesus interacted with people? The woman at the well. He he has this whole conversation about. She says, oh, I'm not married. Well, you're right, you're not married. You've been married five times and the guy you're living with isn't even married to you. And when everything's said and done, what does God say to her? What does Jesus say to her? He says, go and sin no more. The woman caught in adultery. When everybody's gone, when he says, who is here to condemn you? Everybody left. Nobody was there to throw a stone. He said to her, Go and sin no more. You see, God wants us to change our attitude. He said, if you'll change your attitude and you'll follow what I tell you to do, I will change everything. And then I want you to look at the blessing that God lays out on this this little baby that's in her womb. He says, behold, you are with child and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Now, this is kind of interesting, and he will be a wild donkey of a man. How would you like to have that as your... Ep- <laughs> somebody? Hey, there he goes, the wild donkey guy, right? He will be a wild donkey... And, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. You know who the, who the tribes of Ishmael are today? Anybody know? What? They're the Arabs. They're, they're the, they still live to the east of Canaan. They're the ones, what do we got going on right now? Have you been praying for the peace of Jerusalem, right? They're, they're part of that group that is attacking Israel today. And it's been going on ever since this day. Because God had made a promise to Abram, didn't he? What was his promise to Abram? I'm going to bless those. I, I'm going I'm to bless your seed and you will have descendants that are greater than the stars of the sky. And what did he say to to uh, to Hagar? He says He says I'm going to bless them. You're going to have a You're going to have a son. And I'm going to bless them. And we're going to see uh, when Ishmael when he gives birth to Ishmael that God's going to multiply that whole tribe. It's an amazing thing that God's going to do. God is going to redeem her situation. But she had to change the way she did business. Now I want you to understand something. God blessed Hagar because of who he is. Not because she deserved it. And isn't that the way with us? Do we deserve it? The blessings that God gives us? Do we deserve all that God pours out on us? Absolutely not. But God is in the business in the blessing business because of who he is. The character of God is so much f- farther above anything we can think of that he blesses us. Even when we don't deserve it. Psalm 78 says. For their heart was not steadfast towards him, and he's talking about Israel now, nor were they faithful to his in his covenant. But he, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them, and often he restrained his anger and did not arouse all his wrath. I mean, he's talking about Israel here, who who every turn they, they walk away from God and He continues to come back. Why? Because he's compassionate. In Micah 7, 18 and 19, it says, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he, what? He delights in unchanging love. Do you remember from last week? That God delights in us. He delights in unchanging love. He again will have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad that God doesn't take our sin and say, Hey, Ben, here it is. Remember when you did that? And God says, and, and he doesn't do that, does he? Says he takes it. Anybody, anybody watch Jacques Cousteau and all those things, right? You know, the Marianas Trench that we have, that's, uh, you know, it's, like, it's like all these thousands and thousands of, of uh, feet deep. That's where God takes our sins. And he runs it all the way down to the bottom and he puts it underneath a rock. So it'll never float up. In Psalms 103.10 it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad that he hasn't done that? That he looks at us and he says, Listen guys, I love you. And I'm going to deal with you. As a matter of fact, what's our verse? Anybody remember what our verse is this month? Romans 5.8, for God demonstrates his own love towards us in that when, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you even fathom the fact that in all of our sin, Jesus still said, You're worth it? One, one of my favorite songs is when he was on the cross. I was on his mind, and it, and part of it says, "He knew me, yet He loved me. He, whose glory makes the heavens shine, so unworthy of such mercy." For when he was on the cross I was on his mind. Isn't that God's mercy towards us? That was God's mercy towards Hagar. I want to end with two things that we see here. First of all What did God call the son that Hagar was going to have? Called him Ishmael. Ishmael means the Lord has heard. The Lord heard Hagar's cry as she was on her way. She was running away and God heard her cry. God hears our sorrows. He hears our grief. He hears when we come to him and say, take me, Lord. Take all of me. I've made a mess of my life. The second thing I want you to see is the name that Hagar gave. The name was El Royo or or El Roy. The God who sees me. And she said, How am I still alive? I have seen God. The God who sees me. I want you to think about that concept. God sees me. I mean... What an amazing thing that God looks down out of all of the billions and billions of people on this earth, and he looks down and he says, there's Frank and Joy. I see them. There's Don and Ann. I see them. He looks across and he sees each one of us and he says, I love you. And there is no greater place that that happens than on the cross. And when we have when we take communion, that's exactly what God is saying. God is looking down at us and he's saying, I see you. When he sat there the night that he made that the the demonstration of his love to his 12, he took the bread and he says, he says, you guys don't know this yet? But in a few hours from now, my body's gonna be broken. It's gonna be beaten. You're not even gonna be able to recognize my physical features. But I'm doing this for you. I see each one of you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood that's given to you, the new covenant for the remission of sin. He says, you guys don't know this yet. But in a mere hours from now, the Roman soldiers are going to take the scourge and they're going to rip my back open. They're going to lay me on a cross and they're going to drive nails into my hands and into my feet. And the blood that I give on the cross is going to be for you. I see your need. Each one of us stands in the need of God's blood this morning to, to save us from our sins.